to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. This is Sips, Suds, and Smokes. I'm your host, good old boy Mike. Thanks for joining us today. On this episode, today we'll have a quickie sips episode on the Pimm's Cup, the unofficial beverage of pissed-off Brits during the summer, and what makes watching tennis seem even more exciting than golf on TV. After that, we'll have a sud segment with good old boy Chris and good old boy John talking about the new electric brewing system. It's an amazing homebrew system, plus we'll taste one of Chris's first batches from this setup. If you're thinking about moving to the next level of a homebrew setup, this episode is not to be missed. Be sure to check out the pics on the Facebook page. Speaking of which, you should drop by our Facebook page and definitely follow us on Twitter for our daily tasting notes of nearly all the stuff we get to try, most of which never even makes it to the show. We have another contest coming up, and we don't want to give away all those details just yet, but now would be a great time to leave a comment or any episode on Spreaker or iTunes. Even if you want to tell us we did not make enough lawnmower beer episodes, or that good old boy Mike is so annoying every time he says, um, or you could choose to even tell us what you like. That would really be fine. That new contest is coming very soon. Well, now on to that sip segment on the Pimm's Cup. It's sippin' time. Oh, the music of Wimbledon, shattered by the screeching girls hitting a fuzzy ball across the net. Well, the Brits can screw up plenty of pallets with their food. I mean, really, what is a spotted dick anyway? But at least you know how to kick back with a good beverage during a tennis game. Yep, that's right, it's the Pimm's Cup, and we're here to tell you all about this wonderful, refreshing drink today on this sip segment. So, you most likely have not had this drink unless you've been to Wimbledon or the UK during the summer. It's also quite popular in New Orleans, where it was bastardized American style. While a drink was born in a London bar at the hands of a bartender named James Pimm, the Napoleon House has taken this creation put a slight twist on it, and really screwed it up. There is no such thing as Sprite in the UK when this drink was invented, nor high fructose corn syrup, and definitely not any of those mutant cucumbers. Say, what is a Sprite in America anyways? And is there really a Napoleon in a house in America? London's dandiest city gents love to partake in oysters and gin, but it With its bitter tang, gin was actually knocked back, not savored at all. Enter shellfish monger James Pym and his famous Central London Oyster Bar in 1823. Patrons soon swallowed oysters with the Pym's House Cup. Flavored with liqueurs and a fruit extract, 
This was a more palatable drink, kickstarting the great British Pym story. <laughs> right, it kickstarted something like me getting rich just to put up with these wankers. The elixir was dubbed as a digestion aid and served to patrons in a small tankard known as a number one cup. The drink's popularity grew quickly, and by the end of the 19th century, it was ubiquitous all over the United Kingdom. The first Pimm's Bar opened at the 1971 Wimbledon Tournament, and today over 80,000 pints of Pimm's and lemonade are sold there to spectators each year. That's right. We Brits figured out a really good excuse to get smashed, other than complaining about the government, of course. The striking garnish is an integral part of the well-made Pimm's Cup. Purists wouldn't dare use anything except mint, cucumber, strawberries, and apples, and in a word, only ingredients that are available in Britain. The classic recipe calls for one part Pims to two parts lemonade, and the Brits version is clear and carbonated, and if you can't find it, well, you can substitute a lemon-lime soda. Modern variations endlessly tinker with this classic recipe, replacing the lemonade with ginger beer or tonic. Really? Do you have to tinker? Why not go tinker with your hip-hop music and leave our British drinks alone? And, of course, departing from the classic toppers to actually decorate the glass with such concoctions as orange twist, pineapple slices, or passion fruit. I mean, who ever heard of passion fruit in Britain? Anyway, it's mixed. The fuzzy tea-hued sip is served with ice in a tall glass and artfully garnished. All right, so here's that traditional Pimm's Cup recipe once again. It's two ounces of Pimm's number one, four ounces of English lemonade. It's a mint sprig, a cucumber slice, strawberry slice, and an apple slice for garnish. So this is how you put everything together. It's pretty simple. Add ice to a chilled tall glass. Add the Pimm's and the lemonade, or if you're substituting the lemon-lime soda at that point. Stir gently and garnish with a mint sprig. Cucumber slice and a strawberry slice and an apple slice. Now, one of the things we've noticed is that English lemonade is not as tart as, say, the American version. Did someone say tart? I fancy me a tart thing or two with a pims in me hand. Cue the fake British accents. Not lots of lemon trees in Wales, you say. Why, blimey, how's do you get such a great tasting pims cup for the Yanks? Well, it's definitely not the Napoleon House version, that's for sure. It's an even split of Pimm's number one and a sparkling lemonade from France that's actually infused with some Spanish lemons. You can find this at some specialty food stores, but there's actually a very easy substitute as well. Combine one ounce of simple syrup, three ounces of a sparkling mineral water with no flavoring that's been added, and add a half a squeeze of a lemon. These ingredients are readily available at just about any bar. You still want to garnish it in the same way, but we do something slightly different with the cucumbers. They're actually cucumber peels, not slices. It kicks up the cucumber and makes for a rather decorative garnish as well. We'll actually post a picture of the final product on our Facebook site. Now, just because you loathe the thought of beans and black pudding for breakfast... Oh, gosh, no. If we had some of those great French pastries, there would be no beans on my breakfast plate. Well, be sure don't to miss this wonderful beverage. Even if you're not a gin lover, you'll probably enjoy this beverage all the same. Cheerio for now, and enjoy your pims. Oh, my, that ball was actually on the line. Oh, the drama of tennis. 
looking to a mum for comfort during this trying competition. Uh, please pass the strawberries and cream. How extraordinary. These people can bounce a ball that fast on a grass lawn. Just extraordinary. Oh, Wendell, um, please check to see if they have some more PMs by the picture for Mummy. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Hello and welcome. This is good old boy Mike and this is Sip Suds and Smokes and this is today's Sud segment. It is all about the electric brewing system and joining me for this segment today is the creator and builder of this system, good old boy Chris. Hey, how you doing? Great. Also joining us for this segment is going to be a perennial host here, hopefully, is good old boy John. How you doing? So uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us again for another great episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, uh, where everything in life that is worth discussing is on this show. And today it is all about a really fabulous brewing system that Chris has created. And we're going to have a great chance to chat with Chris and learn about this um, and all of the uh, interesting options that I think that Chris has definitely taken along the way in creating a very innovative uh, brewing system. So thank you for tuning in, and if you've not uh, caught some of our other episodes here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes, they're available all over the place. You name it. You can find us. iTunes, anywhere, any search engine. And joining us uh, very soon, we are going to be on public radio. So uh, I'm very happy to uh, welcome a brand new audience uh, to our show as well. So, uh, Chris, thank you for uh, joining us for this uh, segment. Um, <clears throat> so first off, uh, you call it the electric brewing system, is that right? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, uh, so I think probably the tip off of that is it's all electric. Yes, it's all electric hmm. system. So, uh, tell our audience a little bit about the full setup that you have. We're going to talk about today. Um, it's it's a twenty gallon uh, setup. So the uh, the kettles. Um, it's basically you have a boil kettle that's twenty gallons. The mash tun is twenty gallons as well as the hot liquor tank. Um, it uses a, a HERMS-based recirculation system, and um, <clears throat> and uh, basically for recirculating the wort and main, maintaining the uh, temperatures throughout your your mash, um, which is typical for all all grain brewing. Um, the the big difference from a setup like uh, what I've built and most um, brewing systems is that. You can use my system to brew year-round. Wow! So I think that is definitely something that all <laughs> brewers, you know, really enjoy that thought because uh, I know that when we were talking about, um, you know, one of the things I do is I'm a daily coffee roaster, and you know, I, I really find it, you know, uh, very difficult to navigate ambient temperature and then if it's raining and you know it's just a pain in the butt, and so. Um, I can't begin to tell you uh, what I have rigged up, you know, just a roast coffee. I mean, there's venting systems, and then there is this concoction of, you know, duck work that I've created just to roast, like, one cup of coffee beans every day, you know. And for those of you that have not roasted coffee, I will tell you, um, the, the best way I can describe the experience is, is taking a, a bag of microwave popcorn, set your microwave on about 30 minutes, and just burn the crap out of it because it's going to smell the same. 
as roasting coffee. And so I really have a sense of appreciation for when you have the ability of doing things year-round. Uh, and so when you walked into it, was that one of the intended goals? Is you're actually setting something that, you, that you'll be able to do year-round, or that was just kind of a byproduct? Uh, that was a byproduct. Um, I was really more interested in the challenge of doing it. Ah. Um, because I've, I've built synthesizers in the past and kind of got bored with that and wanted to... Is there nothing good on cable? Are you, is that what you're saying? <laughs> we actually watch a lot of Netflix. So. All right, so we have to disclose a little bit about some of the gear that you're wearing because you're wearing a Doctor Who you know, shirt here on the show. Our listeners can't see that, but I can almost hear good old boy Jim just in a thrill and excitement you know, at the thought that he has a Doctor Who fan that's actually created... A brewing system. So, uh, you know, he's not here today, but um, I know that he's really quite thrilled at the prospect of that. So, this was a geek project gone wild. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> um, my my wife and, and her father. You're married out of this. We're going to talk yes. about that through this as well. And you're still married. <laughs> yes, still, still married. And, uh, it's a rarity. <laughs> Um, but but yeah, my my wife and her dad um, they did a lot of extract uh, kits and brewing um, prior for maybe about a year and a half or two years or something like that. So this so, is your first run at all grain. Um, this is my first run at all grain. Wow, so, hmm. um, I've, I've never bought a, a cooler to do my mash in. Um, this I went straight from extract to this. Wow, <laughs> this well, is the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you skipped like about ten steps along yeah, the way. Yeah, you know, I had a, I got a lot of criticism for that too. I think they were like, "Oh, what what the heck are you doing? You're spending all this money on stuff you don't even know about." Huh. I'm like, "Okay, whatever, whatever you say." So I appreciate you going through at least uh, describing uh, some of the mechanics of what you've put in. So why is this setup so unique? I mean, I've looked at. A lot of brewing systems, but I have to say that this is there's just the you know the geographic footprint of it. I mean, it's really quite impressive. Um, and actually, for our listeners, we'll post a picture of the brewing system on our Facebook page, so they actually get to see you know what we're talking about. Because trying to describe it, I think it's just you know uh, inadequate. I think we can still I'd love to talk about it, but so what is it that makes it so unique? It is a small scale of a microbrewery, more or less, uh, without, um, of course, we're confined to space. Without the quarter-million-dollar investment. Yes. <laughs> so Yet. Um, a lot of people have asked me, hey, why don't you sell it? Why don't you do this or do that? But since it is in a condo, we can't really do that because of... You know permits and other things mm. to to be technically a nano brewery. Well, at the end of this episode, we're going to provide some contact information for our show <laughs> and uh, where you can uh, write uh, you know a large check to have Chris come over to your house to construct these you know uh, uh, this type of brewing <laughs> system. John, I know you had a chance to go downstairs and kind of get a tour of the. And you and I definitely had some very interesting reactions <laughs> when we first saw it. So your first impression was what? My first impression was it, it's. The most, it, I'm not exaggerating at all. It is the most amazing home brewery setup I have ever seen, and I've seen a lot. I've seen pretty much every setup for everyone in our club. I have seen a, a very similar uh, electric brewery setup uh, by a member in our club, but it gets nothing. It has nothing on the way this one's set up. Like Chris said, it is very much a, uh, I would call it a nano brewery setup. It it's very. 
um, pretty much all triclover uh, connections, very little hoses, uh, which helps with sanitation and cleaning. Um, the fact that pretty much everything on it is stainless uh, makes it extremely easy to clean and sanitize, uh, which is a key you know, to brewing in general. And uh, I mean, it, it, you walk in and you're, you're just amazed that he's able to put, to, to put this in what is essentially a, a closet, a, a closet, a laundry room. I, I mean, would, it's I would just basically say, you know, yeah. and, and that was one of the things we were talking about is that, you know, I, I think that people confuse brewing with square footage. I mean, I've walked into some rooms that are five thousand square feet and have you know kettles and you know hoses you know running all over the place, and frankly. You, what you've done with a tenth of that space is just incredible. Oh, I mean, it it's just absolutely amazing. And I'm almost betting that, you know, uh, the ability of con- remaining in small batch, you know, a 10-gallon, is that what you said? Um, yeah, we're doing 10-gallon uh, batches right now. Um, and actually finished uh, product is 10 gallons. But the, the amount of wort that we're, we're transferring to our fermenters is around 12 to 13 gallons. Because of the the yeah. loss and you know sampling and taking yeah. all of, all the all of your um, you sampling know, is very critical yeah, yeah exactly. very critical well so. <laughs> you know it's the same thing you know I I'm also a you know diehard cook as well and I tell people if you're not tasting as you're going then how do you know what it's going to be like at the end of the day you know and we work with a lot of things you know on the show a lot of products same thing is true with winemakers it, you know if you're not thieving you know um, as you go along or the same thing with distillers and, and thieving in barrels you know it, it's how do you know what it's going to be like at the end of the day and the same thing is true about brewing and I think a lot of I've certainly met a lot of brewers that what I would call flame and pray <laughs> yes <laughs> you know and um, they have no idea how things are, are going to move along Part of that is a measure of experience with what they're making. I get that, you know, and plus nobody wants to put a scalding hot, you know, liquid on their tongue, you know, as well uh, as you're going along. But still, I do think that there are components of smelling and tasting along the way that I think, you know, yield to an element of uh, quality uh, assurance that I I think that a lot of novice brewers, uh, you know, forget about doing that. And so, you know, that's a, that's a good tip for everybody, isn't it, John? Exactly. So um, this was not like an overnight thing either. So how long did it take you to? Uh, did you go from? Did you do plans and and then create the whole thing, or was this just you know kind of you invented it as you go as you went along too? Um, it was a little bit of both, really, because um, I knew I wanted to go with a twenty gallon system, and <clears throat> that basically was going to give me ten gallon finished product pretty much every time. Um, but you know, in terms of the layout of the system with the the stainless and the the way the hoses are all connected and everything like that, um, took a, quite a bit of of uh, preparation and running a lot of plans by pro brewers. Measure and twice like and then that. shove it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, um, I I started back in October of 2012. Uh, was when I ordered my kettles, which are um, actually the the plans are are um, developed in Portland, Oregon, and then the plans are sent to China, and then the Chinese make the kettles to your spec, and then it's sent back. So, huh. so those are custom kettles. Those are not custom. like 
you just didn't go down to the brewer no. brewer supply house and uh, pick those up? No, I, wow. I waited from uh, October to about mid February of 2013 <laughs> before I saw anything. John, are you up for waiting that long? <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, I can't wait that long. Beer's too good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's just off the hook. That yeah. you know, somebody would go to the trouble to actually get custom made kettles. I yeah, mean, especially without having like a. Uh, like prior experience with um, different kettles, you know what I mean. The fact that it's, it's a, you've only been brewing for max a year and a half to two years. Um, usually, somebody you know, the traditional setup is you buy a turkey fryer, you know, and and you start there and you maybe move up to a stainless steel kettle that's slightly larger. Then there's you buy usually a, a fire in between. There usually there usually is there's 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 a fire and you fire. Then there's divorce. Then there's you know bankruptcy. And then exactly. you move on to really brewing beer. You've skipped all those steps, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, well, after um, the the initial water test um, was kind of the the moment of truth and. Um, I can remember how extremely nervous I was almost shaking when I turned on the uh, the brewery panel because, you know, I thought something was going to blow up. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know who your homeowner's insurance is with, but we won't let that carrier know where you live or that policy number. I'm sure I'll cancel that bad boy pretty fast. Um, so uh, certainly that took a lot of patience, you know, over that period of time. And... Uh, he learned an awful lot about manufacturing, you know, products you know, along the way as well, and even doing it in a foreign country. So, I, I mean, that's just uh, quite extraordinary. So, don't try this at home, folks. You know, reach out to Chris. Just have him, you know, leverage the experience he's already had. Brewery builder for hire. There you go. I like that. You yeah, know, I do, I do consult people now. <laughs> Another first here on the Subsidence <laughs> Smokes. So, you know, there's definitely some issues, you know, that you probably had and, you know, lessons learned that you had. And, I mean... You're at least having a, a moment of you know celebration uh, right now, and and being able to brew you know uh, year round you know in this thing. But what did you learn kind of along the way about doing this, Chris? Um, a lot of the the challenges that I, I ran into um, were more along the lines of uh, plumbing and um, the actual <clears throat> you know getting the the temperatures correct and really dialing in your system mm. yeah. and that's um, pretty typical isn't it john exactly it is it, very typical for a, you know even for any homebrew setup is to learn the system and yeah. learn kind of you know what you can mess with and what what you can well and the difference is is the usually the uh intensity of the propane and the amount of heat that they're <laughs> applying and usually that is like pull it away push it back pull it away push it back <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah it is it's a lot of trial and error <laughs> you know uh, let me turn the uh, uh propane valve a little bit better you have a lot more control in an electric system don't you yeah the um the big benefit to the electric system is that the the heating elements which are actually like water heater type heating elements uh, the ones that I have are 5,500 watts each, and that that really allows me to to heat up water pretty quickly, mm. um, but not overshoot temperatures because the heating elements are controlled by PID controllers, um, which um, you know doesn't overshoot anything and really just holds uh, the the temperatures pretty steady. Well, that's that's definitely what you need right there is the ability of having. Uh, temperature control for sure um very much so um <clears throat> well so <laughs> so there's a term when you're brewing is is you know at the end is the flame out so what do you call it 
<laughs> when you're on an all electric system. I guess technically you still call it flame out, but it's more of a <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's kind of an oxymoron because there's no flame. But uh, you know, it's well, uh, you definitely can't call it you know flame out. You'll have to come up with a new term for us, then, Chris. <laughs> knockout. Know. Not yeah, I like knockout. that. I, I like that. That, yeah. that that'll work. Yeah, or, knockout. I think, I think I've heard that at the uh, commercial level. I think they call it knockout a okay. lot of times. Well, okay, hmm. I'll have to call it that then. I guess. <laughs> Chris just calls it when it's done, when it's finished. Well, there's something I know that probably doesn't work so well in this setup. So what are some of the cons that you've learned about it um, that you're just like, wow, it's a, it it's just a, sucks? It's yeah. a, even though John said stainless is easy to clean, it's a pain in the ass to clean. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I think that sucks. Trying to scrub you know, stainless steel is just definitely not, does not work, especially if anything's burnt on it, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think the the quantity of fittings and um, not 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 including the hoses, but all of the gaskets and all the valves, everything involved. Um, once you tear it apart, you really have to clean everything really well. So mm. that that means taking apart your valves. Mm. Well, that'll See, that'll fade with time. What I'm time. what I'm hearing here, though, yes, what I'm hearing here, though, is a man who's never had to clean all those hoses <laughs> um, and and the connections with hoses and whatnot. And me having a very rudimentary setup that that. I mean, I have a single-tier system that's all propane, um, and, and it's mostly silicone, high, you know, high-temp silicone hose. Um, cleaning those is much more difficult, I think, than, than being able to... For, for me, at least what I would do if, if I had Chris's setup and I was cleaning it is everything would be broken down. I would throw everything into a big pot and mm-hmm. boil it, um, maybe with some PBW or some sort of you know, uh, uh, stainless cleaner. And, and then pull everything out after that. And then, then you scrub piece by piece. But uh, there are more pieces in your system, I would say, mm-hmm. than, than my setup. But I, I would feel more comfortable after the fact um, with the sanitation and the cleaning that was done in the stainless than I do with my it's hoses interesting, and It's interesting that you say that, too, because one of the big benefits to the plumbing in my system is that you can do a clean in place, which means that, you know, wow! You, I mean that that is pretty incredible. You know, um, I mean that. I, I don't think I've heard of that. You know, uh, in even in a commercial setup. You know, so the the clean in place really allows you to you know heat up you know water and then you know add some PBW to, to that and then recirculate the that water back mm. through the valves and everything your hoses lines and basically do that several times. You know, over the course of 20, 30 minutes, and then you're done. You, wow. dra- you drain the system. What a cool setup. I mean, yeah. oh, my God, you really have thought about, you know, um, not just making the beer, but keeping the equipment, you know, in some functional condition, yep. you know, as well. I mean, it, that's just amazing, Chris. You know, I mean, really incredible. Well, I think one of the challenges I probably uh, John and I would have for you is you should create a spreadsheet about you know your cleaning schedule, and you're going to see these high measures of aspirations, and then it's like ah crap, I don't need to clean that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine very early on in the process is there's it would be completely taking it apart, cleaning everything thoroughly, and then eventually it's like ah clean the place. Let's just turn that sucker on and, and I have boil like this, the water. And I have like this scene playing in my head, you know, of uh, you know from a movie where. Uh, I forgot the name of that uh, movie where the guy's cleaning his gun in the in the head, you know, and he's sitting there rubbing his gun and talking to it. Do you do the same thing with your valves? <laughs> <laughs> do you rub your I, valves? <laughs> I, well, I don't. I don't rub the valves, but I do polish the kettles. 
think so. Well, you have to. You have to. Don't polish the kettle too often. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, we might go blind. All exactly. Right, so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, so I think one of the interesting things most people ask is how much. I yeah. mean, you know, definitely with everything we've talked about. So. You know, when you told me the figure, I I was very close, you know, to guessing about um, at least how much capital you had in equipment. There's a lot of time involved as well. So definitely with the setup that you have, about what kind of price range are you in? Um, right right now, at least 10000 Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So It's not I, your starter setup. Typically, what's a turkey baster run about? One hundred and twenty bucks plus yeah, your, eight your, or eight. Your, your, I say your turkey fryer <laughs> with a propane stand is probably in the range of sixty bucks. Well, then there's usually. the proverbial yeah. fire on the deck. <laughs> so you got to spend five grand to replace all the wood. <laughs> the divorce lawyer is probably going to run you about fifteen grand. So you're saving money in the long run. I by agree. Doing it Christmas so it, you know, it's, some women figure out how to you know save money with shoes. I'm helping you with a grand moment of rationale where you can actually move down to the point of just buying the right brewing system from the get-go, exactly. avoid burning the deck, the divorce case, you know, and, and go right to the point where uh, you'll be actually brewing great beer. So, And it typically costs um, about a quarter more than you initially estimated. Yeah. Because once you, you know, figure in um, your electrician and any other costs that are just not not even accounted for until you start doing it like the actual room build out costs quite a bit of money hmm. so did you execute a prenup before you started building the brewing system <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> well maybe we should have suggested that so uh, do you have future plans about other changes that you want to make to the setup um, we actually we took a um, a tour um, recently. We we took vacation in the UK. We we went to the uh, Isle of Jersey for a few days, hmm. and we went to that this sounds like a lot of fun. Definitely, yeah. yeah. We went to this brewery um, called the Liberation Brewery, and I've had a lot of beers, and the the beer that I tasted there, this guy has won won gold in the international cask ale. Um, Award um, category, um, but th- his beer was. Ph- I have like phenomenal. the scene in my head playing with like five guys from Scotland sitting around going, "Oh, laddie, what do you think of that roll there? You know, <laughs> oh, drop it in the cask a little bit harder there. You know, so, we, so it's a little bit bigger than that. You're saying, yeah. I mean, we we, we <laughs> like went the Philadelphia Beer Authority. <laughs> we we went to several pubs there, and um, I was not impressed with uh, most of the English beer. Um, wow, there's a shocker that, you know, <laughs> you would say that, that would suck. You know? um, but uh, Their food sucks, their beer sucks, their politics suck. <laughs> but, they, uh, they, but they have Doctor Who, so I can't oh, think of it. Uh, they, they made up for it. At least with some effective good BBC programming for 40 <laughs> yes, years. Like yes, I agree. Couldn't come up with another original series. Yeah. <laughs> so after going to the, to the brewery and taking the tour, trying his uh, Liberation Ale, which was phenomenal. Um, I came back from that and and maintained kind of a relationship with the uh, the head brewer, mm. um, and this is he has a very large brewery. I uh. mean, they are they are cranking out. I don't know how many kegs of beer a day. But so do, it, you, uh, a lot. do you walk away with some yeast? 
No, but he might. Ooh. You know, if he's nice, he might send me some. Oh. He might ship me some. Yeah. So um, I'd, I'd say send him a picture of the setup and say, "I'd love to try out." I'd love to try it out. You know, here in the states, yeah, you know, with our exactly. water and your yeast. Yeah. So, so going back to your question, what 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 I yeah, what's next what move? what I improve? Um, his his primary um, kind of I, I want to say secret weapon was the hot back. And using uh, the hop back along with nice. uh, with whole leaf hops um, to basically um, not recirculate, but um, just do like a gravity drain through post boil through the hops. Um, to I can really, tell John's excited just at, yeah. at the, the whole discussion. To, to so, sitting here nodding his head, going, "Yep, yeah. Yeah. salivation, salivation." <laughs> so hop oils, and, yeah. yeah, and and really in, infuse that. <clears throat> super hop aroma in in the beer and it really made an impact um so uh, it's all about the water laddie yeah just remember that <laughs> at the end of the day yeah and a hot bag just for those who may not know is right after um your beer is essentially done at knockout you're gravity feeding or you can pump through uh a hot bag which is basically just a stainless vessel that contains hops usually whole leaf uh, and then at the bottom there's a uh a filter system of some sort that allows the hops to be um, you basically are adding really hot work to fresh hops it pumps through uh, that container whatever it happens to be into a chiller and then goes through you're basically able to extract hop oils um, and not expose them to boiling temperatures Um, a lot of times you're running through there you know at 170 180 degrees sometimes because um, I've seen people do it after their whirlpool yeah. even. It's you know, not about cool cooking down. the hops or, right. or boiling yeah. them. It's right. about uh, extracting the oils, which mm-hmm. is exactly. not at a lower temperature. Right. So my my sweet wife bought <laughs> me a uh, a Blickman uh, hop rocket for my birthday recently. Wow. And and, um, and that's that's. And I think that I got once, a free round of golf. Once oh, yeah. once once I buy buy a few. You, you more. got a birthday present? Yeah. Wow. wow. So <laughs> we're impressed. A, you're still married, and B, that you got a birthday present. You know that. You know, I, I, I'm glad that your future plans don't include wife 2.0. And <clears throat> that sounds like a real keeper. You know, in the hollows of beer for sure. Exactly. All right. So uh, one of the things that we've enjoyed here is uh, actually having some beer that you've made in the setup. And uh, we're not going to rate it today because I think A, that would be unkind. And um, I'd much rather you know just tell people. Um, so this was actually the first beer that you made batch in this. It, it was. Is, it it's is. a. Yeah, would you say this was? It was. It's an American lager. American so lager. More, yeah. more or less a, yeah. a Bud Light. So. <laughs> we, we don't use those terms on this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Wrong button there. <clears throat> don't say the word imbev. Um, um, so uh, you know, I enjoyed uh, getting to taste your first batch, and John and I had much the same reaction. John, what did yeah, you think? Yeah, it, it's it's it really is. We don't, we're not going to rate it, but I'll say it's an excellent example of, of the style, um, especially for the first batch on a system that you're you know not familiar with, you're not you know comfortable with even. Um, you know, it's it's a really good example of the style. Hmm. Um, well, I enjoyed uh, certainly uh, you sharing the beer with us as well, and. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that I always like in seeing things at this moment are people right at the very front edge of really becoming very good at doing something over a long period of time. I've worked, I've, you know, been able to talk with micro roasters, you know, like right at the very beginning when they're kind of moving from 
you know, roasting in small batches and kind of doing it on a bigger scale. But also, same thing is true with winemakers. And, you know, I, I, so I'm, I really feel privileged to be able to actually taste, you know, one of your batches at this point. Um, love to come back around and taste more beer that you're brewing a year from now on, like, batch 50. Um, and you've pissed off all your neighbors because their entire neighborhood smells like Ward as well. But um. <laughs> <laughs> they'll have to get over that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's your next beer that you're going to make uh, in the, in your brewing system? Well, it's, it's funny that you say that. Because you're making something today. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah. There is a uh, ginger wheat beer that Ooh, we're making nice. today. So oh, okay. good summer beer. Good yeah. summer beer. Wow. Uh, a, a week ago, we um, we finished um, brewing a uh, Belgian triple. So it's actually in the fermenter, and we'll have two two beers, two big batches in the fermenters. Well, so. we need to get off the mics and uh, definitely start drinking, right, John? <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, I definitely want to thank uh, Chris um, for sharing with us all about the electric brewing system here on Subset and the Smokes. John, you had a good time? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, just want to get downstairs and drink more beer uh, for sure. So thanks uh, for those of you uh, joining us uh, for this episode. Chris, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Hopefully you had a good time here on the show. Thanks for coming. We definitely uh, look forward to coming back and uh, enjoying more beer out of the electric brewing system. If you have definitely would like to get in touch with uh, Chris or hear more about uh, Sip, Suds, and Smokes, you can contact us on by email at sipsudsandsmokes at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. You can find us on there. Leave us a message. We'll uh, definitely funnel anything off to Chris. And uh, you can circle back around with him for plans or other comments about the electric brewing system. So thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, This is good old boy Mike. I'm going to ask you to keep on sipping. This has been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.